All right, good morning. <clears throat> My name is Matt and uh, one of the leaders here at the church and uh, glad to be sharing with you today. Uh, it's, it's holiday still and, and we're mindful that we only have a uh, diet, diet kids church, which is great. Um, you should be tired more often, Pete, by the way. It's, uh, I love it. Uh, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be brief is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Uh, today I want to talk about evangelism and the, uh, the call of God to the joy of the work of evangelism. Let me start uh, by telling you a, a story. I used to work on a, uh, on a farm uh, down in the Lockyer Valley, uh, Valley and uh, it was a, just a, a small crop farm. We mostly grew loosen um, and grew uh, veggies uh, seasonally every now and then. And uh, I was working on the farm when the uh, floods hit. So not at the actual time, but during that sort of season, that period of time. Uh, and one of the things we noticed uh, after the floods, uh, obviously there was a, uh, our farm is right beside uh, the Flagstone Creek. Uh, it's a little creek that kind of meanders down through uh, the, the valley there, uh, kind of near Helladon uh, and up, uh, up that uh, Flagstone Creek Road. And uh, our main shed is uh, just right beside uh, the creek. So the creek kind of dips down. Instead of uh, building a bridge for some reason, they followed the creek down and, and the road kind of weaves over it. And whenever it rains to any sort of extent, like a, an inch probably, it, it uh, actually covers over. And anyway, one of the things we noticed about uh, after the flood, apart from the trampolines and sheds and all kind of junk that was in the creek, uh, we noticed that there was actually a... Um, a, a seed that had spread, and it was a, a terrible seed, and it was this. It's a, this is a castor oil uh, tree. If, you, if you've been down the valley at all, uh, you'll see these everywhere, uh, around, particularly around the waterways. They spread uh, uh, like commonly through water and through kind of creeks and, and riverways. And uh, we, we just noticed that the kind of uh, following couple of months after the flood, like these guys everywhere, and they're terrible, and they're a pest, and they're hard to kill. Uh, they require like a lot of a lot of kind of management. Um, and uh, and it, it was it was really it was kind of like it was really sad. It kind of ruined the the landscape really. If you if you drive up Flagstone Creek Road, it's still really beautiful, but you'll see these pests everywhere. Uh, and what I want my hope for evangelism that is that for us at the church it would be uh, like this in a similar manner that evangelism for, would be for us as the church, would be a seed that spreads through uh, you know, the, the, the creeks and, and the waterways of our lives, of, of community, of workplaces, uh, of families, of streets and neighbourhoods, that the gospel would be a seed that is spread and just begins to, just begins to pop up everywhere. You know, in the same way that if you drive uh, through the valley, you'll kind of see these little castor oil trees popping up everywhere. My hope would be that we see the gospel in our uh, communities, in Toowoomba, in Highfields here, that we see it just starting to take seed everywhere. We're just going, wow, it's all over the place. Uh, that's the hope uh, of evangelism. I, re- I really want that for our church. So today will be an effort uh, to, to contribute towards that. Another thing, just to, to quickly preface, uh, one of my uh, roles uh, here at the church, often when people think of, of pastors or leaders in, in a church, uh, you think, well, they do all the ministry work. I just want to just kind of <laughs> rebuke that. That's not right. Yes, we contribute to the work of ministry, but uh, Paul's pretty clear that one of the roles of uh, leaders in, in a church is to equip the saints 
for the work of the ministry. Is that, is that, you guys know that section there? So what I want to do today is I actually want to contribute a little bit towards equipping you for evangelism. Uh, because evangelism is God's call to the church, to all of us. Uh, let, me, um, let me get into it. You can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. And uh, while you're doing that, let me, just, let me just say a few things what it isn't. I just want to kind of set up a few uh, barriers just to kind of guard uh, your attitude a little bit. One of, the, one of the preconceived ideas about evangelism is that it's for pastors and church workers. Uh, I think that's wrong. Another, another preconceived idea is that evangelism is only for those with a specific gift of evangelism. I think that's wrong and, and we'll address that. The third one is I think sometimes we think, well, it's only for extroverts. Like evangelism is for the people with charisma, like the people that are just really comfortable talking and connecting with people. Again, I think that is wrong and we'll have a look at those shortly. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. The one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we, re- we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to look at, um, I want to look at four things moving forward from here. I want to look at an understanding of evangelism, an approach to evangelism, an apprehension to evangelism, and an uncovering of evangelism. Let me start with a little bit of and understanding. Got you all excited there. What, what is it? What, so I said before what evangelism isn't, and, and I'll move on to those later, but what, what, what do I think it is? What is evangelism? Firstly, I think evangelism is for the glory of God. What is it for? Why do we evangelize people? We evangelize people because they're really passionate about the glory of God. If you listen to what uh, Paul says here, he says... Uh, that those who might sorry that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised so if you're a christian today god's call to you is to stop living for yourself and actually to start living for him like that's pretty clear right that those who live in christ might no longer live for themselves but that live, that, but they live for him, for Christ. So, so firstly, and kind of top, top of the pile is that evangelism is about the glory of God. 
You know, when you, when you consider the life of the non-Christian, God isn't being glorified. God isn't being honored. Now, that doesn't mean he's any less glorious, but it means that he's not receiving his due glory from those people. And that should concern you. It should concern you that people dishonor Christ. Because as a Christian, right, like your call is to live for the glory of God. That's your call is to live not for yourself any longer, but actually for, for God. So as, as a Christian, as you grow to see more of the glory of God, I think that a passion for the glory of God will compel faithful evangelism. Like if you're really passionate about God's glory, that's going to drive faithful evangelism. Because, what's, like, because God is glorious. Like, Would you agree with that? Yeah. Like if, if you're a Christian, like you're going, like taste and see. Like God is glorious. Like God will satisfy you. Like undoubtedly, right? Like that is the hope of the Christian, that God is glorious and he's worthy of glory. Secondly, what is it for? Evangelism is for our glory. Sorry, is for our joy. Consider this. God uses people to save people, right? Like the sovereign God who can save who he wants, when he wants, however he wants, chooses to use people. Like, what? Like, slow, dumb people. You know, no, 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 I'm smart. Like, I'm pretty smart. I've got a degree. Uh, Yeah, that's great. But like, in comparison to God, like, people's like, man, you could have picked a better tool. (laughs) But no, he chooses to use us. He chooses to use people to reach and, and save people. God is, listen to how, how Paul says it. He says, God making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors for Christ. So the picture I want to leave you with here is that God has chosen you as his mouth. And God has chosen you to be uh, the shoulder that someone can lean on and you to be uh, the, the hand that can hold someone when they're in need that you can you're actually literally the the body of god the body of christ and i guess the question is what kind of appeal did you make to your workplace in the last week like if if god is using you to reach out and to save people like what kind of appeal did you make on behalf of god (laughs) hey uh you know come on in when you're ready we're waiting for you like what kind of appeal did you present on behalf of God to those outside of Christ? Piper says this about the key to joy in the church. And it's brilliant. In an interview, someone asked him, what's the key to joy in the church? And he just kind of looks at them, he just yells, he just goes, soul winning! And he just leaves it at that. Like that's it. Like let, let me challenge you with this. Like what greater joy could you experience then walk, then leading someone to Christ. Like, go ahead. Like, answer that question for me. Can you consider a greater joy than for you to walk with someone to the foot of the cross and to point at the mercies of God and say, do you see it? Can you see it? Can you see the glory of God? Like, go for it. You got something? Like, there is no, like, literally, that is, that is your joy. It is your joy to be an evangelist, it's a joyful thing. It's not a duty. It's not like, ah, oh, I got a you know, good one. 
All this obligation now. No, I'm going, you go and go ahead and list for me things that would be more joyful for you than to lead someone to Christ, right? To, to move them away from condemnation and towards salvation. Consider that for a, just for a couple of minutes. Just sit on that. Like when I just think maybe it's just me, but my attitude towards evangelism is so dutiful sometimes. I'll show you a little bit of a video. This might um, give you a bit of a picture. No, I won't. It's, it looks like it's just a photo. Jordan, can you press play on the laptop and see if that does anything? Just a space bar. No. All right. That's a, just press it again and cycle through it, and if it plays, then I'll stop. But the video was a video of a, a father in Sweden who won the lottery. He won about um, two and a half million US dollars. And he came to his boys and he was like, uh, he's like, guys, this is really difficult for me to tell you. I'm um, having a really hard time. And they're like, What's is something wrong, Dad? Is everything okay? He's like, yeah, everything's okay. Um, I, I've, just, I've won a little bit of money. And they go, well, how much? He goes, oh, well, I've just, let's just say I've got, I've got this for you. And he pulls, out, he pulls out like a wad of like 900 bucks. And the, and the boys are just going, whoa, <laughs> sweet. And he goes, we're going shopping tomorrow. And they're like, whoa, are you kidding me? No way, this is awesome. And he goes, oh, actually, also, I've got this. And he pulls out an iPad each for them. And they're just like, oh, dad, this is so good. How good's this? <laughs> and, and they're kind of celebrating. And then he's like, yeah, it is pretty good. And then he kind of waits a little bit. And in the, in the, it's kind of like a little thing. So it's 30 seconds later. And he's like, actually, I've got a, a little bit more news uh, for you, I, I, I won a, a fair amount of money. He's like, how much? And he's like, oh, well, actually, I've got these for you as well. And he pulls out like about five grand each and just gives the boys another wad of cash and goes, yeah, we're going to be going shopping tomorrow. And the boys are just flipping out. They're just like, whoa, like five grand. Like our dad just gave us five grand. They're losing it. And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I actually got a little bit more news for you. And then kind of, <laughs> he kind of gives them another thing and then it cuts and it's like two minutes later. And he goes, guys, I haven't been honest with you. I'm like, What's, is everything okay? And he goes, yeah, actually, I, I just need to tell you, I've actually won a bit more money than that. And he goes, yeah, I've actually won two and a half million dollars. And they just start losing it. They just start going absolutely, like they're just like, Wah! and swearing and carrying on and running around the house. And, and uh, they, they, they're, they are like so excited. They are so stoked that, um, that their, their dad's won this money. But let me, let me just... Are you kidding? Is this, was this a prank, Jordy? <laughs> okay, is there volume? A lot more than a million. There they go, and they're off, and they can't believe it. It's like people don't know how to celebrate because they're just, I don't know. They're like, see your dad. We're going to walk into the lounge room and celebrate over there. Anyway, so that they're really stoked. Let me make a let me make a contrast for you. Like the, that dad, he's got some good news. Like he's got some good news that he's sharing with the boys. But like, do you have good news? Like as a Christian, do you have good news? Like, do you have news 
Better than a dad sitting his sons down and saying, I've got some good news, fellas. We want a bit of cash. Like, that's cool. But you know what's like a little bit cooler? You know what's a slightly better offering? What's better news than winning a bit of money? Eternal reconciliation to God. Like, can you celebrate that? with Like, evangelism is a joyful celebration. Hey, I've got good news. You can be reconciled to God. It wasn't possible outside of Jesus. Like, is that something you could probably celebrate a little bit? That's really good news. So I'm just kind of just kind of saying, yeah, these boys are celebrating, but what kind of picture would it be of the new Christian realizing in their heart that they can be reconciled to God, that they're full of sin and they need redemption from that? So that's for your joy. That's a joyful thing. The third thing, what, what is it for? I think it's for the joy of others. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them. Like that, I've, I've already said it, that is really joyful. Like that's a joyful message that we're bringing. When we, when we uh, often when you consider evangelism, like I wonder what it is, what kind of picture you get in your head. Like do you picture the, um, the Billy Graham kind of guy? Do you picture the street preacher, uh, you know, kind of um, just, just dominating people on the sidewalk, just standing on a box or just yelling at people? I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a city big enough to have street preachers, but it's pretty overwhelming. It's kind of like I'm just going to cross the street about 200 meters beforehand and just go the long way around because it's, it's pretty overwhelming. But... Like, that's really good news for people. Like, yeah, you know what? Yes, yeah, salvation does have an element of, um, of judgment. You're in sin. You need to repent. But how, how joyful is this? In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Evangelism is a joy. An understanding of evangelism. That um, let's define let's define evangelism. I've been reading this uh, this little book here. Very small. This, I, I hold this up and people go, "This is the kind of book I can read," because uh, it's like less than a hundred pages. And and Mac, that's by Max Stiles. He he defines evangelism like this. He says evangelism is teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. Now I think this is where we start to look at a distinction between mission and evangelism, right? Like evangelism is actually the teaching right like it's teaching the gospel mission is obviously joining in with god on the enormous mission that he has to reconcile people to himself i think this is a helpful distinction because a lot of us when we consider evangelism we only consider like deed ministry like i'll serve someone and i'll mow their lawn and i'll just love them and they'll have no idea that i'm saved (laughs) it's like yeah, it's good, but like evangelism, right? Is like actually teaching someone. How will they know unless someone teaches them? I think I just want to quickly touch on the four elements here. Teaching, gospel, aim, and persuade. Teaching. If you don't know how to teach the gospel, let, let me challenge you with this. If you can't teach the gospel, you might not truly understand it yourself. You know, like if you can't actually teach 
and kind of unpack the gospel to someone, it might be that you don't actually have a true understanding. And it could be that you're not actually a true Christian because you don't actually understand the gospel. You know, so teaching is, teaching is critical. Teaching is really central. One of the, um, uh, one of the things a, a great pastor uh, does with his con- congregation is he asks them a question, uh, what is the gospel in one word? And then he goes on to ask them the question, what's the gospel in a sentence? Like write it down, consider it. We've done it in our community group. It's a great uh, sort of challenge and an exercise. Oh, I, I, you know, just kind of process that for a second. How would you explain the gospel in one sentence? And then he, and then he says in a paragraph, and then he says a page. But you know, in a sentence or in a, in a paragraph, how would you explain the gospel to someone? You know, if if you if just by chance you got an opportunity to share the gospel, what are you going to say? Teaching is really important. Gospel is, is the second element. Is your gospel too small? I think sometimes when people hear the word gospel, they think, well, that was gospel was the experience that got me saved, and now I just live my life. So I've experienced the gospel, and I've kind of moved past that, and now I just am fulfilling my obligations to Christ. I think your gospel's too small. Like your gospel's too small if it doesn't have any relevance to the way you live. How did the gospel inform the way you worked this week? Or how did the gospel inform the way you were a parent? Or the way you spent your money? Or the way you related to people? Or, or you know, the way you argued with your spouse? How did the gospel inform that? If it doesn't have any connection, then maybe it's actually a little bit too small. The third thing is aim. That in evangelism, there is an aim. What's the aim, right? That I might get someone like in a theological armbar and just like apologetically beat them to the ground. Like that's not it, right? It's not like we're not like trapping them in a, in a, in a structural cage where they're bound. It's like, it's like, no, no, the aim is that people might know God, that people might come to a saving relationship with God. That is the aim. That gives you perspective. That helps you navigate well. That helps you understand when you should and shouldn't have a conversation, right? Because you've actually got an aim. And the fourth thing is persuade. I think when sometimes, I think sometimes when we think about evangelism, we think, well, I don't, I don't really want to do that because people are going to think I've got an agenda. And let, let me just say it really clearly. Yes, you do. Like, you have a massive agenda. In terms of evangelism, you have like top of the pile, like a tremendous agenda, right? And that is not a, that's a really good thing. Like, what's your agenda? <laughs> Like, it's a really, really good thing that have you, you have an agenda. You're working for their joy. Like, if you understand the gospel, you understand that there is nothing that can satisfy them like Christ. There is nothing that can redeem them. There is nothing that can free them from the things they're in slavery to like Christ can. So you have, I am working for your joy. You have an enormous agenda. Yes, Absolutely. Let me give you three approaches to evangelism. First thing is, I think it's a priority. Jesus tells the story in Luke 15 of the shepherd. I'll read it. He says this, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? 
And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and says, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. And then it talks about how heaven repents and uh, sorry, how heaven rejoices when it and it repents. Don't just think that's the picture of Jesus, right? Like you might just hear that and you go, Well, that was Jesus. Absolutely, kind of leaving heaven and coming to earth uh, for sinners, that sinners might be saved. Don't just think of that picture, right? Like that is us modeling Christ and leaving uh, the comfort of our communities to go and join in on the work of Christ in evangelism. That is a call to us. Let me say maybe one of the implications of this is that gives us a sense of urgency. Sometimes uh, when people think about evangelism, they just think, I need, I need like a 12-year, mowed the lawn 1,300 times, heard all of their nightmares as a child kind of relationship to actually begin to talk about the gospel. That's not the case. Like, it's not like you need to know the, you know, the story of their entire life before you actually present the gospel to them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's just going to call you to share the gospel. Like, you don't know them. You, like you don't know who they are, you don't know their story, you don't know what they're wrestling with, and the Holy Spirit's actually going to lead you to share the gospel with them. It's both. I'm not saying that relational evangelism is a bad thing. I'm saying that's most of evangelism, but at times, God's just going to be like, you need to share the gospel with that person. I remember in, uh, I lived in Sydney, I was on a bus uh, on my way to college, and uh, there was only a couple of people on the bus, and there was a younger uh, guy uh, up uh, behind me a couple of rows just sitting by himself and I just remember really clearly the Holy Spirit uh, pressing me you need to go and talk to this young man about Jesus you need to he needs to hear the gospel today I was just a distinct like I don't know the dude I've got no connection to him he's probably going to think I'm a clown like why would I do that why would I possibly do that and I was just paralyzed by fear but there was a distinct call uh, f- from the Holy Spirit to me to go and share the gospel. We see a picture of this in Acts where, uh, if you know Philip and the story of Philip uh, who goes to see the eunuch who's, uh, who's traveling in his chariot and he's reading Isaiah and the Holy Spirit um, just kind of calls to Philip out of nowhere and he says, go, uh, go out into the desert, you know, go out. Uh, I think he actually gives him direct, like as in southwest or something. And, uh, and he says, go. And Philip's like, okay, I'll go out into the desert and and." and the Holy Spirit had just planned that he might actually run into the eunuch. And he kind of is like, you need to go share the gospel with this guy. And he, you know, you remember the story, he stops it and he kind of goes over and says, what are you reading? And the guy goes, Isaiah. And he's going, oh, have I got a story for you, you know? And he shares the gospel with him and, uh, and the eunuch is saved. So it's a, evangelism is a priority. There's going to be times where the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to, uh, to share the gospel with people that you might not necessarily know. The second thing I think about evangelism is that it's a practice. Evangelism is something we work at. And, and we grow in. And let me give you a few, um, maybe just a few things that you could uh, implement uh, this week as you, as you practice evangelism. Really simply, let, let people know that you go to church. Like, like what are you doing on the weekend? Like, that is a question everybody, like, that's like an Australian question to ask on a Friday. Like, you can't just not ask that on a Friday. It's just default, right? So, I'm going to church. Like, 
you're an evangelist. Like we're, we're, like, we're doing it. You know, like, oh, look at this. We're actually beginning to, to tell people about our faith. And, you know, that there's a good chance that maybe one in, one in a couple of people is actually going to ask you about that. What's that like? Yeah, it's like a big family. We all love Jesus. Yeah, you know, we're off and running, right? Let me give you another one. Let people know that your faith means something to you. Let them know that it's meaningful to you. I think a lot of times Christians are really backwards about their faith. It's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yeah, cool. Uh, into bikes? So what? No, no, like say the, the couple of mums sharing about how difficult their kids have been. You know, my faith has really helped me with that. It's really meaningful to me. Let people know how meaningful it is to you. I, um, I was dropping my car in to the mechanic uh, this week and I uh, ran into just a lady that I knew from business last year. Didn't have a great relationship with her, but I just decided I just need to stop and just sit down and connect with her. And I'm terrible at this because I'm just always just on the move and just so busy sometimes in my, in my mind. And I was like, no, I'm just going to stop and connect with her. And we just had a great conversation. It was, it was exactly one of those. Hey, what are you doing on the weekend? Oh, I'm going to church. And great. And what's that? And she just, I just kind of asked her a few questions. She just began to tell me about her experience growing up in a really kind of staunch uh, Methodist church and how that was really difficult for her and just reflected upon that. And nothing against the Methodists, but she just, she just kind of had a, had a few uh, obstacles there and it just left a bit of a sour taste in her mouth. And, and then she's just kind of like, well, what's that like for you? And I was just able to share with her what, like, what church means to me. Well, it's like we're, we're a family. We care for each other. And we walk together. And church is more actually about uh, the Christ body rather than a, a Sunday sort of meeting. And, and we just had a, a good little time of, of sharing together. Just, just out of throwing in, I'm going to church. And that, it, it means something to me. Maybe one of the third practices you could get into the habit of is, is asking the question, would you like to find out more about Jesus with me? Uh, there's a, there's a, um, an author, uh, Betty um, Pepper or, or Pippa. Um, someone can shout out her name if they know her correct last name. But she writes a lot on evangelism. And she, uh, she says, uh, after a bunch of studies done uh, most people are okay with that question with asking the question would you like to find out more about jesus with me most people are actually okay with that and comfortable with that Um, she says a lot of people sometimes are uncomfortable with coming to church but most people if you've got a relationship with them are fine yeah cool like that's okay let's have a look at that and she's kind of done a, a bit of extensive study on it particularly in europe which is one of the you know is the leading kind of secular uh, culture globally at the moment so that's a question you could ask would you like to find out more about jesus with me would you like to read through a book of the bible with me and, and just learn a bit more about jesus and, and who he is i uh i used to work uh as a um in, in as a concreter um, for a little while uh, a couple of years ago and we had a um just a, a little crew of us there was about five of us there was a boss and uh four of us uh, under him and uh, you know, for, for a tradie, Smoko is like, like that's church. Like Smoko is like the boys getting together, you know, kind of comparing meals, whatever. Like, what, oh, what are you, you know, oh, yeah, I'll go, yeah, I've got to be this. And yeah, it's great. And drinking 1.25 litre Cokes and 
just like that's kind of their little community and and just I would regularly just kind of ask them one one of the approaches I took to uh, to evangelism was asking them just about the things that they really matter and looking at the the idolatry of the heart you know like what would devastate you if it was taken away like what would devastate you more than anything and I remember uh, there was one one of the young fellows would would kind of we'd regularly talk about or he would regularly talk about it how much of a player he was and he'd be just retell all the boys stories of him just picking up on the weekend and, and sleeping with women and uh and just just the deceit that he kind of led them into and just the sickness of all of that and he was really glad about it and i just remember challenging him one day just saying i think you're actually a slave to sex and we'd we'd kind of had a lot of conversations about it so it wasn't like a judgy sort of like you know you idiot which he probably needed to hear as well. Uh, but, but I said, I think you're a slave to sex. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I know. And it was this really tragic kind of moment for him because he's like, oh, yeah, I am, but I, I don't know what to do about it. And I don't even really want to do anything about it. And just he, he just being able to identify actually some of the longings of his heart and the things that he's worshipping and he's a slave to. That could be a practice as well for evangelism. The last thing I'd say is I think a great practice for evangelism is prayer. It's just asking God to be at work, right? Because like, God is the one who changes people's hearts. God's the one that leads people to believe. God's the one that uh, redeems people from sin, who frees them. And, and a great practice is just praying, God, would you, would you maybe open some people's hearts today? That as I speak and as I share, that people actually are prompted by the Holy Spirit. The third, uh, the third thing in uh, approaches to evangelism is, is a culture. You know, the, the hope would be that we as a church, actually, we have a culture of evangelism. That, that as we grow, we grow with a culture of evangelizing. So when you bring a friend into the community at the project and you've been evangelizing them, they're going to get the same thing from a bunch of other people. Like you just, they're just coming and they're saying, wow, it's not just the one charismatic person bringing all the friends to church. No, no, no. Everyone's evangelizing everyone. Everyone's getting the same experience. So if, you, if they go to community group or they're, they're coming to a service, it's like it is a culture of ours to evangelize people. So we're teaching them uh, and persuading them about the gospel and the good news of Jesus. Wrapping up now, two things to wrap up. I think there's a, um, an apprehension to evangelism. And, and I don't know, as you consider evangelism, maybe in your head you're going, yeah, like I, I would, I would share, I would evangelize people, I would talk, but I just, I feel so inadequate. Like what if, what if I can't answer? And what if I'm rejected? What if I look like a fool? Like what if they just laugh me off? And I just want to like, ask, what do those questions reveal about your understanding of God? Like when you kind of consider those fears, what do they actually reveal about your understanding of God and who He is and the way He works? Like I think what you're kind of saying is, well, I don't actually trust that God will sustain me. Like I don't, I don't, I don't trust God to lead me. I don't trust that God's going to come through. 
I don't trust that God actually works in ways at times that I can't see. So even if it is a flop and it's awkward, like God's still working, right? The gospel is power, is the power of God, right? Like that's, that's God's work. He works at times when we're going, well, that was really, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> and I really kind of fudged that. God's going, nah, we'll see. We'll see. You just keep planting seeds and we'll see what, what grows and what, what comes about. So I think in, in terms of the apprehension of evangelism, one of the things that we need to be doing is slaying the idol of self. You know, a lot of the times the fears are centered around ourselves. What if I look like an idiot? What if they think I'm a clown? What if I get it wrong? It's just, could you just get your eyes off yourself for a second and just look at God, look at his glory, look at his mercy for you today and just allow that to compel you to share the good news? I'll finish with a, um, with a question. And, and I asked the, asked the question this morning uh, during singing, but what is the, uh, what's the high point of the gospel? Like, what is the pinnacle of the gospel? You know, we, we, when we consider the gospel, there's, there are so many rich themes there. Like, is it forgiveness of sins? Like, is that the high point? Like, is it uh, propitiation? You know, God's wrath being diverted onto Christ and us being spared from his, his wrath. Is it like, like, what is it? What's the high point? Is it heaven? Is it escape from hell? You know, when you consider the gospel, there's a lot of precious truth in the gospel. But, you know, what is the high point? And I think the high point is relational connection, relational covenant with God. You know, the, the high point is that you get to be with God now. Let me read you this from, from 1 Peter 3. It says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Like that was the point. The cross was reconciliation, was restoring us to God where we couldn't do it ourselves. That's the high point of evangelism. That's good news. You can be in relationship with God again. To the Christian this morning, uh, like I pray that gives you hope. That God has reconciled you to himself. God has done the work. So if you crawled in this morning, you know, thinking like, I'm just going to fulfill my duty this morning and just going to show up. Just like, just get a life. Like, seriously. <laughs> like he's poured out his grace on you. God has done the work to reconcile you to himself. Like I... Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because that should give you hope for evangelism. God did the work to reconcile you. You know, we going into evangelism, going in and reaching people in uncomfortable and awkward situations, pin our hope to the work of Christ on the cross, don't we? It's like, that's what compels me. It's that. It's, it's like, kind of like, I'm just looking at that and doing this and looking at that and doing this. That's what compels us. To the, to the non-Christian this morning, like if you don't, no, Christ, you were made for God. You were made to walk in fellowship with God, to know God and for him to know you. That is why you were created. The work of Christ on the cross was payment for your sins so you could be reconciled to God. Consider that this morning. Consider the work of Christ. So my hope for us 
is that evangelism would be a joy and not a duty. That evangelism would flow from uh, the grace of Christ poured out on the cross. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just remember the words in, in 2 Corinthians uh, where, where Paul says he, God, he reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What, like what a sweet, sweet thing it is to know that we've been reconciled to God. Lord, don't let, don't let us miss that. Don't let us miss the sweet uh, simplicity and the centrality of the gospel in, in our lives. Lord, help us to see that, please. Even as we sit here, Holy Spirit, remind us of the the sweetness of that. Because that's what drives uh, the call for us to call others to reconciliation. Help us to see, Lord. Help us to see the, the centrality of the gospel, the strength of the gospel, the sweetness of the gospel, the goodness of it, and, uh, and have that compel in our church faithful evangelism. Amen.